Welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. Good day, everyone. On today's show, it's a bit of a special one. I have a property investor, but primarily I have someone who has, I guess, the integrity uh, to expose some of the practices that happen in the property industry, in the training industry, and pretty much in every industry. His name is Mike Winnett. You may recognize him from his entrepreneur videos, his interview with a property trainer, and his general awesome YouTube channel, which is about showing you some of the techniques that people use and some of the questionably uh, ethical or unethical techniques that some people use in the property training and just generally investment kind of arena. If you haven't seen his YouTube channel, then you need to check it out because it, it will make you laugh, but it would also be quite sad. I was laughing throughout this podcast because Mike's funny and the points he's kind of making are funny, but there's also a bit of a sad undertone as to how easy it is to be tricked um, by certain people and by certain things. Now, as a disclaimer, neither me or Mike are saying that all trainers or all property trainers are bad and that there's no such thing as good education. Not at all. If you believe that, just piss off now. Um, What we're saying is that there are bad apples out there as they always will be you go tesco sometimes you look in that box it's like yo those apples are bad so we are talking about how to protect yourself uh also just generally the entrepreneur what this even means we take some of your crowdsourced questions from facebook um, and we just talk about investments and yeah the way certain people behave but also we talk about people like gary v and grant cardone which might be quite interesting for you if you're big fans of them. Again, these are opinions that are discussed. So, yeah, let me know what you think about this episode. Something different. Mike Winnett, welcome to the TED Talks podcast. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. So, you know, I've, I've actually been following you for, I think, a couple of years. I remember, I don't know how long ago it was, but you had an e-learning training company, I think, Litmus yeah. Heroes. Is that right? So that was what uh, the company that bought uh, our company that I started with three friends in Warrington. That's what they renamed it to. So it was when we had it, it was called Learning Heroes and they called it Litmus Heroes. Uh, I I remember that. I remember the outfits you used to wear. And then I think once you sold that. Yeah, yeah. I used to dress up as Superman. Yeah, Yeah, I'm a proper stalker. It's all coming out now. Um, And then I remember after that, you like sort of, I guess, semi-retired. But then you started posting stuff that was, you know, if people think you're controversial now, I think they should have seen the stuff then um, because it got a lot of attention. It got a lot of comments, a lot of you know people fighting on the Internet as they do. Um, but I feel like was there a time period where you also like were sort of like exposing or talking about recruitment companies? No, it's, it's, it's a funny thing, really. So I used to talk it sort of in this tone anyway. Um, but I, for what reason, it seems to be whatever I post um, at times through the last few years, a different sector seems to be either agitated or uh, feels like they are the victims of my post. But it, it wasn't. I was just posting at that time about things that I was going through at the time. So I used to do a lot with recruitment because predominantly on LinkedIn, it was mainly recruiters. So I would come into contact with recruiters pretty much every single day on LinkedIn. So I used to just air my views and grievances about recruitment and recruiters at that time and then obviously as I no longer had the business I would then spend less time dealing with recruiters obviously because there was no need for me to and that's how come I end up now talking about investors investment opportunities and get rich quick gurus because that's what I do now I I invest in things so really I am the product of um, whatever it is that I'm sort of involved in at that moment in time so at the moment I'm seen as you say controversial. I, I don't really see it like that at all, but a sort of a controversial, outspoken person in the sort of get rich quick or passive income sector, because that is what I'm sort of investigating and in spending my time investing my own funds into at the moment. 
so yeah i have sort of had different targets at different times when i was doing the learning development i would talk in the same style as mike winnett but about online learning and training and stuff like that so i've always talked like this it's just sort of target of my angst has been a different different thing each time <laughs> um are you linkedin's number one influenza still no i, I again this this pretty much started as a joke in terms of what i did and it was that was a play on the fact that anybody could write number one on linkedin and you'll have seen them yourselves it's like you know you can go from one minute they're a crypto expert and the next minute they're a property um, sourcing expert when really all they've done is change their LinkedIn bio. And I, I would just parody that. I just thought it was quite funny to parody what I thought at the time was wrong with social media and also being an expert in today's world is very different to being an expert, say, in the 60s, 70s and 80s. You know, you've got Karen now that's a property sourcing expert that went to a 48, a two-day course. She's never bought her own property, never sourced her own property, but now she'll happily invest your funds into a property deal that she's found for you. Big up, Karen. crazy. Um, so on that note, and you kind of mentioned it before, you're, you're now investing in stuff. So you, you're experiencing this sector have like, is it, I mean, I guess it's natural within you, you know, from the past to kind of talk about things and share your grievances, but have you, and this was a question I think someone asked, have you ever been burnt by an investment or a training company that really then motivated you to do this? Uh, no, not myself personally. But having sat there and watched people that um, shouldn't really be handing over funds and running to the back of the room and then listening to their situation and their stories when they sat back down next to me, it was them people that motivated me, I suppose, because I was thinking, I'll give you one very specific example if you want to. I was at a, J- I was at a JT Fox personal branding event in, um, in London. This was like the third time I'd seen him. And... Um, he was going through his usual pitch saying it's a once in a lifetime price. He's never offered this price again, which incidentally was the same price he'd offered at the other two events I'd been to. And then up got the, up got the first person to run to the back of the room, who incidentally was also someone that I saw run to the back of the room in the event two weeks previous. So I was noticing weird things. And, and this is kind of what I want to make clear. I thought it was funny yet scary in equal measure. Like, oh, wow, this is there's quite a sinister and dark side to this. And people say, you know, I'm negative or and that kind of thing. It wasn't that at all. I just thought that if you see this in isolation and you really want what the guru to say is true, you won't see what I see. But I'm at that event looking at it from a different perspective because number one, I'd already sold my business. So I wasn't desperately looking for the answer. And number two, I am fi- I was financially secure. So I wasn't, I was sort of looking at it from a slightly different angle and I was seeing things that maybe other people weren't seeing. And then the fact that I was following these people around the country I was seeing the same things and I was noticing strange sort of occurrences and similarities between different people's pictures, no matter what sector they were in. So anyway, take this JT Fox example. There was a woman sat next to me and JT Fox was promising to sell us the blueprint to turn our business uh, into a 10 million pound business in eight months, which is crazy. Really, when he's got, when he's, exactly. When he's got no idea of who you are, your capabilities, what business sector you're in anyway. So let's take out because a lot of people don't want to accept the logic in my argument, but let's just take out, let's suspend logic for a moment. There was a room full of people that had all bought into this. So there was a woman sat next to me and she was a VA. That's a virtual assistant for anyone that doesn't know. And I asked her during the day, because I had to sit there for long days, you know, the 14 hour days, that's so you get something called decision fatigue, but let's pretend it's because they've got so much value to give you. So I asked her, what do you charge per hour? She told me it was £20 per hour. And I said, right, and how many hours a day do you work? She told me how many hours a day do you work? And I said, now just think, do you think buying this plan from JT Fox is going to help you get a £10 million business based on how many hours there are in a day and how much you charge per hour? Like, key stage three maths can work out that this isn't the business plan for you. But she still got up and ran to the back of the room that was one example. Another time I was at a different event and the woman next to me who didn't have a business, didn't have a website, didn't have a service or product, went and spent 1997 it was discounted, by the way, for that lucky room full of people, to um, brand and promote her, it was a different um, 
guru her business. They were going to accelerate her business and get her business seen or her product or service. She didn't have a business or product or service. And I asked her the question, why have you signed up? And she went, oh, well, I'll work out what my business is going to be before I attend the training. And it was like that that I thought that A, had taken a day off work, and B, really wanted to escape, escape the rat race. C, really believed that this was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, that it was the, the next 20 people that signed up and couldn't really afford to be doing it. It was them people that I just thought, I think maybe I should let people know what they're walking into because I was seeing the same patterns in terms of language, uh, manipulative marketing, fake testimonials, and stuff like that. Uh, so that's all it was. So there was not one particular guru or one particular moment or one course where I felt I've had my fingers burnt that put me on this crusade. I didn't even see it as a crusade. I just thought, why don't I add a bit of balance and just document my own experiences? And I was seeing things over and over again, regardless of the sector or the asset or investment opportunity these people were offering. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, and and we'll go. I'm actually going to ask you next about like the the entrepreneur and, and what the formula is. But before we like go into that, why do you think? Because I mean, there's plenty, there's other people like you who are thinking the same thing, looking around and thinking, "What the hell is this?" Why do you think yeah. that other people are not adding to the balance and sharing the you know the other side or the reality of all this stuff? Uh, similar to what I said at the beginning, like I am a product of the environment I find myself in, and I find myself in this environment at the moment. If you're online Googling, I don't know, affiliate marketing programs or dropshipping programs, because of how marketing works, you are then targeted by people in those sectors. That becomes your reality. So every single advert before a YouTube video you see will be for dropshipping or affiliate marketing or escape the rat race or quit the nine to five. So you then start thinking that that is normal. You should be achieving these goals and it's easy. And then you're shown all the other things like the fake testimonials and stuff. So that then becomes your reality. When in reality, like say, you know who Gary, Gary Vee is. I know who Gary Vee is. He's quite a, a famous person in our niche, let's just say. But I can go downstairs to the canteen in the office building that we've got and say, does anybody here know Gary Vee? And probably one person knows. So the reality is to us people, in this niche, these are big people and, you know, oh, if only I could be noticed by Gary Vee or I could do something, you know, on the level of whoever it might be. In reality, they're not that big, but because we have surrounded ourselves with these types of people, we see their stuff all the time and we think they're bigger than they actually are, if that makes sense at all. Yeah, so, so I think that's it. And, and why don't more people speak up? Because um, you want to hide into nothing, aren't you? The very people you're trying to sort of help or make more aware of what's going on, they don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to hear that statistically only one in 500 people become millionaires. Because if they accept that as the truth, they would have to then sort of suspend this belief that has been rammed down their throat that anyone can do this. Yes, I get that anyone can, but just be aware that your odds of achieving that are one in 500. You see what I mean? And so no one wants to be that guy. No one wants to be the guy that tells you bad news. And I'm doing it for no profit. I've not got a course to upsell you. Like, and this is one of the main criticisms I get. Like, I'm building an audience. Building an audience for what? I've got nothing to sell these people. I've got nothing to sell anyone. No, I've not got a property course that I'm going to sell at the end of it. The people that want you to believe them are trying to take money off, off you. The people that don't want you to believe me, I'm not even trying to get any money off you. Do you see what I mean? So I, I've like, Really, I'm going to hide into nothing. I get shit from both sides. I get people that are massive supporters of some of the gurus um, that I that I allegedly target. And I also get shit from some of the people that feel like they've been conned by these gurus and I'm not going far enough. But bearing in mind, I do this out of all my own pocket. You know, you know I don't, sometimes it's, it's quite a hard uh, line to tread or you know, line to walk. Because obviously, I'm not popular on either side, really. No one wants to be told, well, you're an idiot because you're on your seventh guru now and you've separated with another seven grand. You're an idiot. Which is, they've got to take some responsibility for themselves. But equally, then you've got the people that are trying to deliberately not teach you everything you need to know to be successful in property so they can upsell you a 12 grand one-to-one -one mentoring program. 
stood up at the front of their events on a Saturday trying to discredit all my work and saying that I'm a, I'm a scam and I'm a entrepreneur. But what am I trying to make you buy? Mm. Makes no sense. And you mentioned and that the, happens a lot, by the way. As in people who you yeah, have I know spoken quite about. A few, I know quite a few um, property training companies that spend the first 15, 20 minutes of their events talking about my entrepreneur formula video and saying why it's wrong and I'm unsuccessful and I'm just, you know, bitter or that I've actually got my own property course coming out and I'm just doing this to grow my audience because they've got to do that. If, the, if their product was good and they were giving value, they wouldn't need to even discuss me, would they? Because no one would associate what I talk about with their, with their um, training. It's interesting. I get a lot of, a lot of support from property, but also my biggest sort of, what would you call them? Because haters possibly, I hate the word haters. Anyway, it's a bit of a wanky word, isn't it? But it's also from property as well. And I think that speaks volumes. Yeah. I think, I mean, it, I guess it's flattery, isn't it? That, that you've affected it, them so much that they're speaking about it on stage when they could just be well, teaching. They, they used to laugh at me when I first said this stuff and they ignored me and laughed at me. Now you've got my videos being taken down by certain property companies. So it's not uh, hard to work out. The beef is real. So you mentioned Contrepreneur, um, which is now, is it a trademark or is it copyrighted now? No, so just trademark the word because originally we were, um, well, we were approached to, you know, put it on a streaming platform. So I just thought it'd be a wise idea to uh, trademark the word in case, because again, TV and uh, the media is also a shady business, believe it or not. And sometimes they come to you to talk to you about your idea and then they come out and use a lot of your ideas as their own. And, uh, yeah, so I just thought, you know, a wise move would be to trademark the word, word because it's, A, it's quite a good word. Um, B, um, I could see someone, one of the streaming platforms or one of the mainstream uh, broadcasters taking the word and the idea, which I can see happening, to be honest. But again, I'm not even that fast about that. Like, I think people seem to think there's some grand plan and I, I, I'm not, I don't even want to be on telly. I'm not asked about stuff like this. <laughs> so then- G- Genuinely aren't bothered. So then speaking of the entrepreneur, like what what is a entrepreneur and what's the kind of entrepreneur formula? Maybe like talk us through like as if you were sitting in a, a property event, how, you it know. It be property, let's be clear. So it's the same yeah. when you're at a crypto event, Forex trading, you know, drop shipping, affiliate marketing, it, it, personal branding. It's all the same process. So it's, they start off, there's lots of things that they keep in, um, that they all share, uh, sort of characteristics they all share. So there'll be long days, number one. It'll always start off with a warmer pact, and that is to prime you for the main sell by the, the big person that you're there to see. So that they use something called persuasion. So they get you to put your hands up and commit really early. So they make you to say yes to stuff, high five each other, put your hands in the air. And it's real basic stuff like who here's been in a long-term relationship? Put your hand up. But all that is is priming you. So then it'll say who here wants to make more money, who here would like more time. Now, the answer to all these things is, by the way. But by getting you in the process of repeating yes, it means that it's harder to say no later on in the process. Then if anybody doesn't put their hands up, it's the, the perfect opportunity to then use shaming tactics. So they will then shame someone in the audience. So, oh, you think, oh, who? So... Mr. I don't want any more money. Also, you've got enough money, have you? And obviously, then you'll put your hand up from that point on because, again, basic psychology is nobody wants to be shamed in front of a crowd. So it's like a herd mentality. So then everybody, even if they've got thoughts of maybe not agreeing with the guru, they don't want to be singled out. So they will then continue to put their hands up. Then they all start with a backstory. Now, believe it or not, I've heard the same backstories told, the exact same backstory told by multiple different gurus selling multiple different investment opportunities seriously yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's funny so i've heard the same stories but they all use the same trigger words like it was an unbelievable opportunity and that was the moment i woke up and that was the moment when i realized that i could be more do you ever feel like you could be more now everybody will say yes to that you know do you feel you deserve more money or you deserve more time or you're not paid enough for what you're worth or you don't get the respect that you deserve? 
Now, believe it or not, everybody thinks that. So everybody agrees and goes along with it. So then they have the bullshit backstory. And then what they then do is often they plant a high value product. So they don't sell, but they'll make a little suggestion like, um, and that's when I could start, I could start charging clients £5,000 for one-to-one mentoring. But they don't sell that to you then because that is something that when it comes to the um, value stack later on in the entrepreneur's formula, they will then throw that in for free. And then in your mind, you've been primed and triggered to think, oh, well, that's worth £5,000 on its own. So they will then use scarcity, uh, the fake value stack where they put in like really bullshit, you know, things like, oh, and you'll get to do a 15-minute call with me once a month and you'll get my personal email. So they all use that type of thing. They use testimonials. Inevitably, there'll be live testimonials from the crowd and they will be people that were just like you sat in the audience and you will... They will come up and say how their lives have changed in the last six months since they signed up to insert your favorite entrepreneur here, of course. But the reality is they are part of the scam as well. They haven't achieved the success they've said, and they are working as part of the inner mentor group. So they've actually signed up right through. And as part of their mentorship, this is them getting their brand out there. So this will be then, if it's, say if it's a property event, Someone will stand up and they will be introduced. And yes, I signed up to the whatever it is, the deal finding extravaganza, whatever it might be. But And then they will have a sourcing company. But it'll be a sourcing company they're doing on behalf of that company. So you've also always got to be careful about testimonials. One of the best tricks that they use is at events, they will ask the audience to give a five-star review to qualify for free mentorship. So if you want the free top package, if you'll go on um, Trustpilot now, uh, or whatever it might be, and leave a five-star review. Now, that's they're not legit testimonials. You've now got a room full of people giving five-star testimonials for a product they've not even bought yet. They've not even experienced. But now what they don't realize is they are now part of the next wave of people. When they go online to do their research, they'll think, oh, well, look, it's got 265-star reviews. But they're reviews that have all been added, and there's a great way of spotting these. Have a look at what times and dates five-star reviews have have occurred for these companies and you'll notice they're all grouped around the same date and same time there's so many things there that you know people are, i think they think i'm just like negative and a hater i'm not i am just like this is factual these are real things so that happens and then it'll be you know not everyone's right for this this opportunity so they'll probably make you fill, fill out a questionnaire and they will only allow people that qualify but everybody qualifies it's another it's another psychological tactic where you think you are one of the chosen few and then it's a limited time and offer i know one property company that they have someone stood at the back of the room and when he says you know this is now open if you go to the back room to sign up they actually bang two chairs together at the back of the room to sound like people are getting up and then straight away the crowd get up so but i've seen these in multiple events i've had people tell me that work at these events since starting this now, the more information I hear about these events and how they run and some of the things that they're told to do, it's mind-blowing. And there's a whole industry built on this. And uh, you know, and it goes right through uh, all the way to uh, the fake scarcity. There's only three of these left now. Um, the value stack, like I said, fake testimonials, bullshit backstories. Um, you'll always see video testimonials of... It worked in this country. It worked in that country. And all that is to do is remove any sort of objection you might be thinking or feeling at that time. So the formula, I just put in a video. That video is close to 300,000 views now. It's already been taken down once by Russell Brunson, the owner of ClickFunnels. Um, he put in a copyright claim. I fought the claim. I won that claim. The video was put back up. Um, so, yeah, and it seems to have annoyed a lot of people. Now, I am not saying all of these tactics are wrong. I just think when they are fake examples of these tactics, and I want to make that clear because that's another thing people say, it's just marketing. Yeah, I get that it's just marketing, but having plants in the crowd isn't good marketing. That's being a bit shitty, isn't it? You've got paid people in the audience to pretend they are whipped up and enthusiastic about your products, but they are actually paid and work for your organization. That's not good marketing. That's unethical and shitty. Using fake testimonials is bad. 
But if you've got genuine good testimonials, that is good. Using fake scarcity, as in there isn't really 20 left, is bad. Using real scarcity, like we are Nike and we've only got 10 pairs of these limited edition trainers, that is real scarcity and there's nothing wrong with that. I think some people can't differentiate what I mean when I talk about these things. Um, but then at the same time, these are the same people that would run to the back of the room and think that some of these gurus who they've never known and have never met generally do want to let them into a secret so they can be financially free for just £12,000. So uh, no wonder they can't spot the, the difference. <laughs> so want The nuance in my entrepreneur formula. Why, like, and again, this might be quite an obvious thing, but why do you think that the companies and industries use these tactics? Is it basically just too easy? Is it, it just works. easy money? Well, it works. And also they are targeting a person that is des They desperately want to believe this works. And it's a, it's a, a very strong combination. Um, it's a very strong mix, isn't it? You've got people in there that quite clearly want to escape the rat race. They want to be financially free. And they believe all the stuff that you're saying. You know, they're not going to go on there and search, I don't know, property guru scam or property guru exposed because they want you to be real. They want you to be right. They really think that you're going to teach a thousand people. Honestly, I, I, I know how to make money. I know how to, you know, I've scaled and sold a business. I wouldn't want to tell a thousand other people in Warrington how to do the very thing I do to make money. Do you know why? It doesn't make sense. I'm now creating competition in my own field unless they're not making money that way. Do you see what I mean? It makes no sense. Why would I go and teach a thousand people how to deal source if I want to source the best deals myself? Because now I've just created a thousand other people that are looking for the same deals I'm looking for. It makes no sense. But don't get me wrong. I do not think that all online training is bad, which is what some people seem to think I do. There's loads of good online training. I don't think all training is bad. I don't think all investment opportunities are scams. I, I need to be clear on that because some people still don't get it. And I don't know how many times I need to say that. It's mad, really. <laughs> so speaking of property trainers, you interviewed one in particular called Samuel Leeds, who came on your show, did a podcast and a video with you. It's on your channel um, and on your podcast. What? So oh yeah i remember that one yeah yeah, yeah i remember the, the guy from birmingham so if anyone hasn't seen it go watch it um what happened after because i remember he invited you to do his training for free or something like that well so um i asked him if i could come down and film it which he wouldn't let me do and i said well that's unusual because if i come down and film it that would and it is as you say then that will be the best advert for your training. Because I was happy enough to go down, film it all, go through all the training properly and my experience. And um, then after that uh, episode came out, it must have had like 400, 500 comments from people that had been through the training that were saying that it was their experience wasn't quite as Samuel explained it was in the podcast. And it just made me think, well, if you know I'm coming down, you're probably not going to give me the same experience as what I would get if I went there and you didn't know who I was. Do you think, do you think the same thing? Exactly. And again, that's some criticism we get. Well, you never went to his training. Well, it's like when McDonald's have someone from head office coming in to their, to their shop, the staff don't act the same way. You've got managers telling you to make sure you change, you know, throw the food out every 10 minutes when the reality is you just change the food cards if the managers weren't in there because you want to keep your wastage down. like It's when the teachers come in your classroom, kids don't act the same way, do they? So it just, it, it's, but again, logic and common sense doesn't seem to apply to people on YouTube, but. <laughs> and uh, and but what did was, you, what did you think of Samuel Leeds? Cause I know everyone who's listening to this is, is wanting me to ask that. What do I think of Samuel Leeds? Mm. And his training. Uh, or what you've seen what, of it or been told of, like, you know, like what's your it, perception it, of him? It's a tough question, really, because bearing in mind, he was the only guest asked to come on the podcasting series when everybody else I went out and found. Um, and he only came on my radar because he was mentioned and named quite a few times on the original Contraband Formula video, which it does, which I think speaks volumes, by the way, that people thought it could have possibly been about him. But like, I reserve judgment on him because I'd never experienced his um, training before. And that's why in the podcast, I let the guy speak because I had never experienced it myself. 
everything else I talk about in any of my um, um, content I put out is that I, I have experienced firsthand. So if a man is sat in front of you and he says, I don't do this, whether you believe him or not is irrelevant because you've got no proof or evidence to suggest he does or doesn't do that thing. Does that make sense? However, however, I knew that it would either be confirmed or debunked in the comments. So while you know, you know you might convince me you're telling the truth, but if there's 600 people that say you're lying, chances are the truth probably lies somewhere between what those 600 people are saying and what that person's saying. But it's not for me. It's it's that's one of the episodes actually where it's such a strange reaction. It splits opinion so much. People are saying I didn't push him too hard, but this is what I think people forget sometimes. You're watching that episode with the benefit of hindsight and with the benefit of being able to fact check the stuff that he's saying live. You put a camera in front of someone's face, put the lights on, and you don't know what someone's about to say, and your ability to sort of analyze what's being said and respond is very different. You've seen, if you put a camera in anyone's face, they start talking differently. And I mean that from my own point of view. You know, I'm I'm not a trained interviewer. I don't, do you know what I mean? The only research I had on him is he had a property training company and I wanted to ask him about no money down deals. That was it. I wasn't there trying to expose Samuel Leeds. I wasn't there endorsing Samuel Leeds, which is another criticism I've had. It's weird how some people can say, ah, you're trying to expose him. And then equally, you're a bad person because you're endorsing him. I didn't either. I wasn't trying to do either. He was just a guy that wanted to talk about property training and I asked him to come on. And I asked him some pretty basic questions about property because believe it or not, I invest in property. And that was it. That was it. What it turned out to be was very different from what I sat down to talk about when he came in. And that was only based on the reaction to that interview. Do you see what I mean? Especially, especially with things that have transpired since. Um, but again, like I didn't, I didn't do any of I didn't interview him knowing any of this stuff because we're now talking about that seven, eight months after it happened. So people are now asking, why didn't you ask him about this? Well, how can I ask him about something that hadn't happened for six months? Yeah, like you're watching this video for the first time, but I filmed this like eight months ago. Why didn't you ask him about this person? Well, because no one knew who that, who that person was eight months ago. Or why didn't you ask him about this incident that happened? Well, because that incident only happened three weeks ago. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. It, uh, people, again, yeah. again, it's people on the internet, isn't it? It's Standard. Mad. So uh, another event which I think quite a few property people went to, I know you went to um, in disguise, looking a bit like Harry Potter, um, was yeah. the, I think it was NAC Success Resort Global Success Resources. Yeah. yeah so yeah. Um, that was total shite, I think. Um, but like, I want your opinion on it because you obviously you know you understand the contraband formula you you see through what they're doing was that like a rinse and repeat of everything you've seen before and people falling for the same tricks or did they do something new or different or what's your general view uh, on it? yeah so a different thing is now they got well they had Russell Brand in there they were a different type of speaker uh, so that was different um they changed their pricing. All the pricing didn't end in 1997, which was the first success resources event I've been to where that doesn't happen. Um, so just on that, but I got a lot of hate from about that before I even turned up. So I did a little advert. Should I go to the event before it happens? I think that's on about 50,000 views now. Um, and I got fake accounts created on Instagram that claimed they worked for success resources, sending me all sorts of abuse. But equally, I also got people that worked for Success Resources saying, "I want to, I want to come clean and say what it's like behind the scenes because you know this is what it's like." So, which I never ever have interviewed any of those people. But so I got, I got people at Success Resources give me loads of loads of grief, and then I got also people that work for Success Resources saying, "You're just scratching the surface. I'd love to tell you my story." So, um, but yeah, no, it was no different to what was expected. Um, it's just the same thing. The, the mad thing about it is Gary V surprises me the most out of all those speakers at the Success Resources event because when I met him in New York, which is a weird kind of thing that's come out of all this, um, he was adamant he didn't like the setup. He didn't like the fact that people had to sit through all those sales pictures before the real value came on and he was very different to everybody else. But I think he misses the point that 
90% of those people in the audience are there to see him. So it's his name that draws the, the, the numbers in. He could easily do those events, put on by himself, probably make just as much money as whatever he gets paid by Success Resources. And it could just be giving value. And he could have his own speakers on if he wanted to. But he doesn't. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting one, Gary, I think. Yeah, I think, I mean, I went to see him, but I couldn't make it through three hours or whatever, or two days I left. But I think, yeah, you're 100% right. It it, it kind of made me think mm, about him because I was like, mm, Gary, you're meant to be like the kind of honest one and the one that people connect with a bit more. But you sort I of... think he is in many ways. Like people say, is Gary Vee a entrepreneur? He sells wine, but selling a tangible product for an amount of money, an actual tangible product that you can drink, is very different to selling someone a discounted course that's going to make them £10 million in eight months' time with a success which which inevitably is going to lead to a, a seven grand upsell and a 12 grand upsell. Again, people on the internet, if you can't tell the difference between a man that sells a, a K-Swiss trainer for $80 or $100 and a man that's trying to sell for you 12 grand so you can have a property mentor for 12 months, and at the same time, he's got hundreds and hundreds of people complaining because they're not getting the service that they thought they were paying for. You can't tell the difference between them two people and one being a con and one just being a person that's bought a pair of trainers. Again, it's like you're probably a Wally, aren't you? But yeah, so, so yeah, and it's like, so Gary Vee, is he a entrepreneur? I don't think he's a entrepreneur in the same way that other people may be entrepreneurs. He's a guy that obviously sells products and stuff like that but where he does sort of come under scrutiny in my opinion and this is just my opinion it's as right or as wrong as everybody else's he says he's against them he doesn't agree with them and so you know i went to go see him in new york yeah uh, he asked me to turn the camera off and say who i thought was the biggest entrepreneur i had experienced in the last two years i didn't say it on camera because and uh, much like samuel Eads at the moment with the property thing I don't think it's fair to pin this on one person because there's hundreds of people that use these tactics. And when the, the entrepreneur is one person, they are a scapegoat. And what you'll get is other people that are just like that person put all the blame onto the one named individual. So in property now, it's quite popular. And this, and again, I don't want to sound like I'm defending Samuel Leeds because of what's transpired in the, in the BBC. What I'm saying is there are 15, 20 other property trainers and companies doing very similar things as Samuel Leeds that, that they are now saying, well, it's out of order. They shouldn't have done that. This should have happened. But they're saying that because there's, e there's someone to easily pin it on at the moment. It is a bigger industry problem. It is not one person. So that was the reason why I've never named who at the time I thought was the biggest entrepreneur I'd experienced. So I told Gary Vee who that person was, and he was bouncing off the walls. He was made up. He was like, yes, I don't like that guy. Um, I think he's shady, blah, blah, blah. If you take this to Netflix, we can do it together, but you need to expose him. You need to name someone. That's what he wanted me to do. Gary Vee's had pictures with that person in his office since. He's been and done talks where that person's also talking since. So he can't really be that dead set against him if he's happy to work with him, be photographed with him and make money with him. In my opinion, in my opinion, and it is just my opinion, you might think it's Gary being really clever and he's going to, you know, he's getting, you know, keep your enemies close, friends close, enemies closer. You might think that. Me personally, I think, I think Gary V was a bit panicked when we were there because he didn't really know where we were going with it and what we were saying. And when we told him we'd filmed at some of his events, I think he just wanted to make sure that he wasn't being tired with the same brush. And that's just, again, my opinion. Interesting. I'm looking down his feed now. I'm trying to identify who this mysterious person could be. Hmm. So Gary Vee is, is one person I think that, yeah, like you said, a lot of people kind of connect with and recognize. There's someone else uh, who goes by the name of Grant, or should I say Grant Cardone, who has this thing called 10x um you have something which is totally different called 11x which is obviously way you know better um 
like, what is your relationship with Grant and what are your views on him? I asked this in particular because a lot of people in property, you know, because a lot of my listeners are in property, they do like Grant. They like his 10x, his make everything bigger and better and all this stuff. What are your thoughts on, on him as a person and his influence? Hey, he's good at marketing. <laughs> That's the only sort of positive I could say about him, really. I mean, I don't know the guy personally. He's good at marketing. Can he sell anything? Tell me something that he sells. The world's number one sales trainer. Tell me something that he sells. Um, uh, uh, Cardone University. What is that? Um, well, what do you actually get? What are you getting? Um, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So but, but isn't that just me not, not being American and not knowing his like stuff? No. Well, he's going to be good at marketing. So, but so my point is what he sells is dreams and hopes that you are going to get a certain amount of money back in 10 years time, basically. Whether it be through Crank Cardone University, whether it be through his property investments, have you ever met anybody that isn't affiliated to Grant Cardone? And by that I mean, isn't a sort of reseller or an affiliate of Grant Cardone that can hand on heart say they've become financially free or received the returns promised by Grant Cardone? I'm yet to find one, and I've been doing this for two years. The only people that have got good things to say about him are 10x. 10x resellers or are working with them in some way. I've never met anybody else that's got a good word to say about him. Ever, have you? I mean, you speak to people, this is your world, not mine. I mean, I know a lot of people who who like, you know, if, I guess what they see of him, who love his public speaking, his theories, his advice. What does whatever. he say? I've, I've seen him and I'd say he's one of the worst speakers I've actually seen live. Shout in, shout. Shouting 10x your life, 10x your business, it doesn't mean anything. It's sound bites for sheeple. It, it's no tangible business. There's I mean, no tangible business yeah, there. So it makes no sense. Like that was crap at the NAC. I didn't. I didn't stay for that. But from what I saw, it was crap. But I've seen him at a property event where, okay, he. I'm not. I'm not going to say he gave tangible value, but it, he was definitely an entertaining speaker. Um, he did what I think the organizers wanted him to do which was you know inspire the crowd motivate them get them excited get them i'll be interested i wonder how many of those crowds have gone on in 10x anything that's what i mean that's all i'm asking so in a if you've got someone that's been to seven tony robbins events or seven and cardone events you know why haven't they 70x their lives yet see what i mean like when does it stop being that actually what he's telling us is shit because none of it's worked yet because I'm back here from the fifth year, sixth year. Like, I, I, I don't get it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I think there's the, the wealthiest people in the world, genuine wealthy people, by the way, and I would argue on Grant's um, true wealth. Um, do the, Are they on stage trying to get you to sign up to a university for a few thousand dollars? Or trying to get you to run to the back of the room and sign up to a discounting course for a few thousand dollars. The genuine wealthiest people. I've I've never ever met like sort of Elon Musk or Mark Zuckerberg or Richard Branson or Jeff Bezos. I've never met any of these people at these events. Why aren't they doing that? Warren Buffett. Why isn't he on stage selling his how to invest course? It's an interesting. Your- it's an interesting point, and I see your view. And I think what the the counter argument would be is that this is just a different way to do it. Right, well, because like, they're actually doing something in their actual fields, where the other guys are just talking about how you can do something in a field that they're not making money. In. They're so making the, money through my, teaching you. My question from that is, and this is actually a question um, from someone on Instagram, is like, do you think there are good trainers and mentors out there? And if, and and how yeah. do you then find them? If if like yeah, how do you find them and avoid the entrepreneurs basically? Well, basically, they aren't screaming at you from a yellow Lamborghini, uh, from a yellow or lime green Lamborghini in six seconds before your favorite YouTube video because they don't need to do that. There are hundreds of successful millionaires and business owners wherever you live in your county, 
in your town, in your city that are successful and aren't trying to take 10, 15, 20 grand off you to teach you how to make money. I, I get an argument that, oh, university's a scam. Yeah, university's bullshit as well. Two things can be, both be bullshit, by the way, as a, as a counter-argument. As a counter-argument to what I say. Oh, yeah, well, university's bullshit. Yeah, no, I also think that as well. There's no point going to university unless you need it for whatever career you want. If you're going to university to do, I don't know, sociology or whatever, and then you, you, you're going to go and work in a call center, that was a, that was a scam. It was bullshit. There's no point doing it. So, yes, but yes, so there are loads of people out there. I've seen some people that I think are pretty good. Do you want their names? Because, I mean, I don't know them all. But so So I have got two mentors. Guess what? I don't pay them anything. I just pay for their meal when I go out to talk to them. That's it. How did I meet them? Um, I just met them through work and through business. So uh, one of them, well, they're both older than me. One is nearly at retirement time now. He sold his own business. He is still working. So I talked to him about business stuff and scaling and problems with staff and stuff like that. Then I've got another mentor that I worked for when I worked for BT. He left and he set up a BT local business as a franchise. And I probably meet up with him every three months. I pay for his dinner and I use him as a soundboard for my ideas. And does he think I should do this? Does he think I should do that? I don't pay for any of these people. I just came into contact with them. But I didn't meet them at them types of events. I just met them through actually working in my own business. And you make contacts with people and you get on with people. And then you do business with people. And then you get to learn what they're like. And it's reciprocal. There's nothing in it for them. There's nothing in it for you apart from what you think about this idea, what you think about that idea. And genuinely, there's people out there that want you to do well. And that is what they get. They see you do well. They don't see you do well so they can use you as a testimonial to convince another 100 people to pay them five grand. These are people that genuinely like to see people that remind them of themselves, if that makes sense. And that's a big difference. But because people are too quick to find a shortcut. So I worked in startups for six years, eight years before my own business. That's where I met my mentors during those six years of working, meet, meeting people, speaking to people. And that's it. And now I go and find people that have actually done the thing I want to learn. Now, if you want someone to teach you how to do property sourcing, how many letting agents, estate agents or whatever are in your local area? How many people do you know with properties? Hundreds. There's loads. Just go and meet these people at free events. Not the person on stage trying to get you to sell. Go and meet these people. Find real people. Everyone knows someone that's got a second property, don't they? Yeah. I, I like so that. So why are you speaking to that person first? Yeah. I think this is What's very, this is very similar invest? to like kind of what I say. Like I kind of call it like a Nando's budget, right? Like if you could spend two grand on a course, you could spend two grand on coffees, dinners, networking events if you need to, wherever, to find the people that right. you've spoken about. 100%. So here's one. I went and offered to work at an estate agent's free of charge. Commission only, I said. Only pay me on one. And they wouldn't, they wouldn't let me work there. They wouldn't let me work there because they said, this is so weird. We've never had anyone say they don't want a basic wage. Proper, proper weird. It made them feel uncomfortable. But why did I do that? Because I wanted to learn about properties, how to spot a good deal, understand about below market value, understand about buy-to-let mortgages. I wanted to be in that office and be around people that had done it. So do you know where I ended up getting a job? I went and got a job at a company called Legal for Landlords that were legal advisors and a tenant referencing company for estate agents and landlords. So for four years, I was surrounded by people that in that business invested in property or I was talking to people on the phone every single day about tenant issues. They've not registered a deposit. They don't know how to serve a Section 8 right. They don't know how to serve a Section 21 right. Uh, new legislation that came, stuff like that. So I was learning about the field that I wanted to make money in sort of organically. And then I was meeting people in that world. And that's when I first started to invest in property. So I never spoke about this on the Samuel Leeds podcast because, again, I didn't want to talk in too much detail about my own personal investments 
on the podcast. That's something that I'm sharing in the other series that I'm doing called the Get Rich or Die Buying series. And I've got some property content coming up soon, actually. I've just um, finished on two back-to-brick refurbishments and they are now on the market. So it's going to be a little series about a little back-to-brick um, doing two at the same time and the stresses that are involved in that. Anyway, so so I... Um, I've got lots of train of thought there. So basically that's how I learned about property. And that then gave me the confidence to know, well, I know now how to invest in property a little bit. I wasn't an expert, by the way. I will learn more through trial and error and experience because that's where you learn most things. And instead of going and paying 12 grand for a mentor, I thought, well, I use that 12 grand to put down on a little terrace house or a one bedroom flat. Because if it all goes tits up and it doesn't work, I can at least sell it for what I bought it for or I get my money back. I learned more through that process than I imagined you would learn going talking to someone and being mentored by a person that literally has just been through the same program as you, but 12 months ahead of you. They've probably not even invested in property before, but now they're a property mentor. That's my own personal opinion, by the way. You might think differently and you might be right. I might be 100% wrong. No, no, that's, that's an interesting point. Um, Actually, people were asking about your property journey, so they should check out your YouTube channel soon uh, to get an insight yeah, into so, that. Yeah, so we are, in fact, Dan's just putting that episode together now, so I reckon maybe end of this week. I've just been working on the script today just to tell us, because that's been a long process putting that together because um, we had uh, searches done and... Not searches. Uh, yeah, so when we have the... Oh, I've got the name now. Basically, the roof the roof needed fixing and stuff like that. And it comes in the extra survey, yes. Survey searches, yes, survey. Um, so we had the survey done. Everything was fine. And then uh, the roof needed sorting. So we bought it. And that was another seven grand. And it put us back about six weeks. Then it was winter, Christmas. They couldn't get on the roof and blah, blah, blah. So that's it. I'm not being negative about property. Again, I'm just going to say, look, this is how much we'd allocated for this build. This is how much it actually cost us. Look, there was 10 grand's worth of additional things that we we weren't expecting imagine if we didn't set aside a budget and they're just little tips like that i want to give people like don't push yourself right to the absolute limit because if something goes wrong you need sort of 10 percent as a contingency plan and um, there's things there that you might not think about solicitors fees and what if it doesn't get rented out for three months and you know when did we speak to the agent and stuff like that and why did we pick that area and how much did we get it for there's like lots of little things i want to talk about so my property journey I first got my uh, first rental property in 2011 and I've now got seven and I've got uh, a villa in Spain as well. So seven in the UK and one in Spain. Okay, nice. And I am not financially free, by the way. (laughs) What would you mean? You should have been financially free seven months ago, mate. What are you doing? Of course, I know, yeah. Well, because again, financially free, it turns out... um, just taking the Samuel Leeds one as an example, he said financially free actually means 3,000 a month. Now, if your man said earn 3,000 pound a month, that's not as eye-catching. It's probably not going to get as many people through the door as saying be financially free. Do you see what I mean? It's just been a bit, I don't know, gray with how you word things. So I, well, exactly. But that, but, but that's common. You're using common sense there. Don't, don't, don't come here using common sense and logic because that, that's not very eye-catching, but saying, you can be financially free. Honestly, you're not financially free on three grand a month. You're not. Fair enough. Hmm. I've got some questions from the crowd now because crowdsourcing is cool. Uh, Mandy says, I think you maybe touched on this earlier, like what is the feedback from the people slash trainers he's uh, exposing? Are they taking on board what he says or just trying to shut him up? I guess the you've covered a bit of that, but is anyone yeah, well, taking it, on board? It's easier to point out. It's easier rather than look in and think like, why are people saying this about our sector? Because a lot of the time, it's this isn't necessarily my words either. These are people in their sector making these suggestions or saying these things happen. Instead of looking inwards, thinking how can we improve, they are looking outwards and trying to discredit me. So it, it's a mixed bag, but mainly not very well is the is the correct answer. And I think that's considering I've never named anyone. I would say whoever is the biggest uh, voices or most vocal against me, I would say you've got to ask yourself, why would they be like that? It, it must touch a nerve with them more than most because the ones that don't do the things I'm talking about support me and I've got a lot of support from people in property. Mm. 
Agreed. Uh, Sadat says, as world as the world's number one demotivational Sadat. yeah expert, who does who do you look up to? Um, do, do you to say, I mean, it's not the answer to this question, I suppose, but I'll just say this. So, when I had my business and I worked in a business, and it wasn't just me on my own. There was a few of us. I didn't know who Grant Cardone was. I've never heard of Tony Robbins. I didn't know who Gary Vee was at all. I've only learned about these people since I sold the business and started looking into what I'm doing now. I think too many people are looking for inspiration, motivation, and someone to look up to rather than just doing it. Like just go and do something. You don't have to have inspiration and believe everything. Say, listen, I talk a lot of bullshit. I sometimes don't even agree with the things I say when I hear me, when I hear them played back to myself. So I can have a completely different opinion on things in six months' time and seven months' time. And I think sometimes, especially with social media, it's very tribal. So it's like, I I like Gary Vee, I like Grant Cardone, and you will argue with anybody that doesn't agree with one particular thing they say. Now, Grant Cardone does say some stuff that's true and good. He also says a lot of stuff that's bullshit and doesn't make any sense. I'm not, re- I'm not really anti or pro any of these people. I think I just look at it a, a bit of a different point of view, whereas he says some good stuff, he says some stupid stuff. Do you see what I mean? Whereas I know there's people that love what I do. I say one thing they don't agree with, and then they send me like hate messages like, I used to really like you, but now you've said this. Does that null and void all the good things that I've said? Do you see what I mean? So to answer that question, um, there's not one person I look up to because everybody's got a bit of dick in them, really, and everybody's got some good in them. And let's just take the extreme examples. So there are lots of things that say Samuel Lees does that are good in my mind. There are a few things that I think as a business he could do better. And does that mean you like him or dislike him? Do you see what I mean? It's like I, I see both sides in everyone. Even the worst entrepreneur has got some things that you can learn from. Even the the best entrepreneur in the world and best business guy have got some things you can learn from that are negative, like he's done that wrong or he's done this wrong. I'm just trying to bring a little bit of balance to it. So sorry, Sadat, there is not one answer to give you. Fair enough. And someone's asked, you know, how can people avoid being scammed or tricked into purchases or bad decisions? Now, I know we've, we've kind of talked through how to identify, but say if someone's listening to this and they're about to go to an event or that they're in the room, hopefully not listening yeah. to it at the same time, what kind of, I don't know, what kind of things could they do to protect themselves? Don't take a credit card. Don't take the bank card. Leave the bank card in the room. You only make a bad decision in the heat of the moment. You get buyer's remorse afterwards. So if you take that away from you, I know of one property guru and he ended up fl- fleeing the country and going abroad that was marching people down to the cash point from the event to get £250 out of the cash point to pay down as a deposit. And then he left with all those deposits, by the way. Yeah, I mean, you can re- you can Google that and find out who that is. I'm not saying any names. But what I'm saying is, how can you protect yourself? Well, I, I don't know. I get people even messaging me now saying, I think this guy's a entrepreneur, but I'm going to his event just to find out. Mm. You're probably an idiot then. You're actually admitting you think this person's trying to scam you and get money from you, and you're still going to his event to what? To sit through 14 hours of his bullshit backstory. I don't I don't understand that. So I can't really help anybody. I can only do what I'm doing, which is make people aware of the tactics they use. Not everybody that uses the tactics are necessarily entrepreneur. If they're using real, genuine, authentic examples of the entrepreneur formula, it's just a marketing formula. That's cool. But don't get caught up in it because everything in that room and that setup is designed to make you spend money. So just take take a, take everything they say with a pinch of salt. You know, don't necessarily comply with everything that they make you do. Move a few rows forward, put your hands up and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, just, just be aware, really, and just think, well, does this sound too good to be true? And then the answer, it probably is. And if it really is, you know, a great deal, you know, you'll be able to get it again. There's very few great deals that only happen once in a lifetime unless it's there's something a bit untoward with it, I think. Yeah, I agree. I've seen the same deal over and over again. 
Um, and you can always call up and just negotiate as well. So the last question from the card for Mitesh is, um, it's quite a, a broad question. We said, if, if Mike had £20,000 to start with, it just in life, uh, knowing what he knows now, what would he do with the money in terms of growing businesses? Uh, there's many caveats in personal circumstances, but I guess he wants to know uh, some general sage advice from you. Yeah, so I'm I'm going to, again, not answer that question specifically. So I will tell you what I did. So I worked in a business and I worked out what are my outgoings every month. And I knew I could survive on two grand a month. And I had a family at the time. So I then decided to save up £12,000. As soon as I hit £12,000 in my bank account, I quit my job. So I knew I had six months to think about an idea and make it work and start making money before I had to go back to work. So my biggest advice to anybody would be save up money to give themselves six months runway at anything that they're going to attempt. So there's no pressure on you to make bad decisions. Okay. And then you will find the answer. Now, what I did personally was I looked for a sector or a niche that I thought was undervalued. So I didn't go and find, let's go and do what a thousand other people in a room are being taught to do. Because guess what? You won't make money doing that. The stats prove that, by the way. I can't say that clearly enough. You need to be either the first, the best, or the fastest at it. So I looked at different sectors, and I saw one that I thought was undervalued. And then I thought, how can I provide? And it wasn't just me, by the way. There was other people involved in this. How can we provide a real alternative to what's out there, a real unique selling point? And that's what I did with my business. So that's what I would do. If you've got £20,000 now, work out how many months of your life you can live on those 20000 cut back on all your excessive spending, and then I would go and find something and set up my own business in whatever field you choose. Now, I've got a way that I pick a sector to work in. I mean, I won't bore you with that, but that's that's what I would do if I was you. I would not go and hand it over to somebody else to tell me something that you can learn for free online or from a £7 or £12 book. Mm. Does that answer your question? Yeah, no, good advice. I think the three things you have, you know, the, one of the three things you mentioned that you have to be in business is an important lesson that a lot of people would pay a lot of money for, but you've just told them for free. So um, they need to go and implement that and think about that. So Mike, we've reached the end of the podcast. Is there any, is there anything you think we've missed that we should talk about or any closing remarks or anything you want to say to the to the people? Yeah, I'll just say this really. So I'm an Amazon bestselling author. Boom. I did that by writing a, it took me an hour to write a book and it just said blank page on 145 blank pages. Now, if I was a entrepreneur, I could be on stage now using that as an authority piece or to gain credibility in any sector I wanted to. Don't believe all this hype and all these titles that people give themselves. It's all bullshit to be honest. It's easily manipulated. Five-star reviews, easily manipulated. Go and check um, when these reviews were placed. You know, if there's five-star reviews and one-star reviews, but not many four, three, and two-star reviews, that should be red flags. If there's testimonials stood up in the in the audience, if it was that good, why are they back there again? Why are they there at another event, you know, if they're making so much money doing this thing? It doesn't make sense. So I'll just say sort of not everything is bad. There's some good stuff out there. Just do your research. And I mean proper research on these people. Um, that's what I'd say. Amazing. So, like, how can oh, people go on? subscribe to my YouTube channel. I was going to say, give us all your details. Where can people follow you? Just really, YouTube's the only one that, is, that I'm really interested in. I don't follow anyone on Twitter because I'm not asked about Twitter or Instagram. I don't care about any of these things, really. But Instagram, sorry, uh, YouTube is the only place that I put sort of regular content and it's always good to be on there so you'll watch it before the latest um, person that's offended by my content puts in a copyright strike and gets it removed <laughs> so it's just mike winner on youtube um like again I, i'm also going to put out some content on how much money can you make from youtube in a year because i think it's just interesting stuff because at the moment i'm doing all these things that i think many people might be interested in doing themselves yeah. so you might as well learn from my mistakes i'm letting you know what i lose money on what i make money on so why that. not just watch me free and then decide whether you want to put your hard-earned money into it. And if anyone wants to buy some crypto mining rigs, <laughs> I've got three for sale. How much are you selling them for? Um, as much as I can get for them. I've paid £30,000 for three 
And uh, so far, 12 months in, they have made £1,900 and my electricity was £2,100. <laughs> so I'm... So I... That was my experience of crypto mining. And guess what? I didn't want it to fail. I wasn't trying to expose crypto mining. I just thought some people might do this. I'll do it and let them see for free. So I'm not a negative person deliberately. It's just many of the things that have promised me riches don't seem to be working. And so far, it's cost me £500,000 to find out. Bloody hell. Well, on that note, people should... uh... Go and watch your videos, and if they want to lose money on crypto mining rigs, they can they can buy them. Um, but for me personally, everyone go and follow Mike. His stuff is super interesting in in any industry, not just property. Um, and there is a lot to learn and a lot to arm and protect yourself with. I'll put a link in the show notes. So, Mister Winnit, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. If you like this podcast, connect with Tej on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube for more great content.